it's you can't be serious 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 the podcast hey everyone and welcome this is i'm ace here <laughs> arrow here and this is you, you can't, can't be, be serious. serious i literally forgot the name of our podcast for a minute. I was like, Philosophy Town <laughs> Ladies. Philosophy Town Ladies should be the, the, the secret name of the podcast. I, I like uh, I like Philosophy. It's kind of like Sesame Street. Philosophy, philosophy Avenue. <laughs> Can you tell me how to get, how to get to Philosophy, philosophy Avenue? Alright, so I said arrow here. Excellent. Great. Um, to start... I want to start with our philosophical F-Ups corner. Okay, right take it away. Yeah. So, uh, as of the last episode, when I was, basically when I was listening to it to, like, edit stuff out. Yes. Um, to edit names out that I said, which is apparently... That you said and not me. It was me, twice. Yeah. Twice in a row. But I you totally blamed me some other time. Mm-hmm. I probably mm-hmm. did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you see how it is, audience. So, you see how it is. What, so, Phil, so, Phil, so, the first thing's a humble brag. Um, <laughs> or just a brag. Uh, I was right about Rousseau. I looked it up. Good for you. And all of, like, his weird kinky stuff. Oh. Remember? The yes. Kinky? Yes. I was right. Oh. That was a thing. I'm glad. So. My life is better knowing that. But the other philosophical F-up for today's episode is I am not going to tell the story about how I invented Nietzschean existentialism for the third time in a row because apparently I said it twice. <laughs> <laughs> episode and I said it in the second episode. It could just become like a running gag that I you tell the same well, story in every episode. And then today we're doing existentialism. Yeah, that's why I thought you were going to tell that. And then, yeah, I was like, oh, okay. So I'm not going to tell that story again. Like, I'm done telling that story. I would just love that's for you it. to tell it every single episode. I can't believe I told it. To- I said something slightly different each yeah. time, yeah. at least. So, <laughs> but I, I t- our first two episodes, I'm already repeating myself, so. Alright. Good start. That's my, exactly. Oh. Um, so, it's, it's a good indication for how well I'm going to remember which stories I've told on air, like 12, 14 episodes in. It's okay. I'll probably tell the same stories over and over again, right. too. Yeah. I, I always do that. I apparently that. have one story, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's not even like a field of philosophy I care about. It's an existentialism story. So. Well, you also, you also talk about C.S. Lewis a lot, which you did tell that story. Well, but I knew, yeah, but I, like, I was actually telling that story. Like, that yeah. was, like, the thesis of the episode was telling that story. I always so. tell people about Kant and how he, like, tied his hands down to stop You the told that, you I told did. that last time. I, I told so that there to we one go. Of our, our, one of our colleagues, and she was like, yeah, you've told me this before. That was me. No, it wasn't you. It was, it was someone else? It was someone else. <laughs> Which one? Is it one of our colleagues we have a name for yet? Uh, no. Let's call her Lawyer Bot. Okay. I, yeah. Wait. No, I don't know which one. You know. Oh, you're right. Black-haired lawyer bot. Okay. Well, I was going to say Asian lawyer bot. <laughs> okay. I, I guess yours is slightly more like racially sensitive. <laughs> yes, definitely. I was going to so, say black-haired lawyer bot and blonde-haired lawyer right, bot. Right. Right. Yeah. There, there's blonde and brunette lawyer yeah, bots. Yeah. Okay. So, well, there's there's black-haired lawyer bot already. Yes. Has has her JD. Whereas yeah, that's right. Blonde one is aspiring. JD. Blonde one, I probably would have called Runner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what that's what I would also call her. That's who she is. She's Granola Runner. Granola Runner. <laughs> have you ever been in her kitchen? Yes. All she has. It's is true. Granola, <laughs> granola and no, like no. Okay, so even the reason that I mentioned this is out of love because she took me and Max in my dog. She yeah, she's a when, right when like I was out of power for four days last summer. And lawyer Ross is so wonderful. Person. Yeah, I mean, we know wonderful people. Right, yeah. I mean, they're all amazing. Except for me, I never took you in. Although I did offer. I so did you offer. offered, yeah, no. When a tree came through your house. So, yeah, but that time was fine because the weather was okay. The only yeah. time I even went to Blonde Lawyer Bot slash Griddle Runner's house was because it was too hot. It was like in August and Max couldn't deal with having, because he's a bulldog, so he can't deal with having a... No air conditioner during the summer. Hanging out with Arrow, I've learned so much about bulldogs. (laughs) So much about bulldogs. Like, I've started following bulldogs on Instagram, and they've started following me. It's a very bizarre, (laughs) strange world. Yeah, the Instagram bulldog community is a... Is something. <laughs> it is. It led, is. Led by my mom. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, all right. So today's topic is existentialism. Existentialism. Right. And, uh, which neither, well, I don't even know, are you, are you a continental or analytic philosopher? 
Well, okay. Sure. I'm not really sure either. So I had this I had this professor um, when I was an undergrad, and I asked him to explain the difference between continental philosophy and analytic philosophy. And he said, analytic philosophers sit in the corner and twiddle their thumbs and like mumble to themselves, and continental philosophers like to hug. So he said, I based on that, I would be a continental philosopher. <laughs> but I feel like <laughs> I thought that was going to be something denigrating to analytic philosophers, but then. It's just as bad on the continental <laughs> side, at least from my perspective. Because I'm like, ugh, yeah, those jerks love hugging. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like to think I'm an analytic philosopher because, from my understanding of the difference, is that analytic philosophers are actually like clear and concise in what they're saying, and continentals well. are just kind of like not. But I do like analytic. I like analytic philosophy and continental philosophy. So I would like to say that I, I want to do. Analytic philosophy, but also like dabble in the continental. Like I love existentialism. So oh, okay, well that's yeah. good. So we're, yeah. we have someone on the team then that will give a positive view of exit. Not that I like I like existentialism. Like yeah. it's fun. You but, told me you see it like literature. Right, I yeah. see it like literature. I don't see it like philosophy, which is terrible. Like I'm just denigrating an entire field of philosophy. But well, it's okay. I mean, oh, it's well. okay to recategorize it. Like literature is not mm-hmm. a bad thing. Clearly. Yeah, I mean, I just I like I I like reading the exit. Existentialist, like I don't think I've met an existentialist I don't like. Honestly, yeah. like like I pretty much every single one of them I've read I've enjoyed. So Me too, actually, uh, well maybe Schop- well Schopenhauer is pre existentialist. I would anyway. say so. I actually I didn't yeah. really like Heidegger. Let me like I did not. Oh, like I Heidegger. haven't read Heidegger. You much. are yeah. Don't read Heidegger. So I, you know I think I read one thing of him. Just like a, you just read about hammers and like. Yeah, I can't. Oh, yeah. yes, I have read some of him. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he was okay, but um, yeah. So I mean, like, I like existentialism when I'm doing it, but also I don't see a point in doing it as, which, as philosophy. Yeah, yeah, as philosophy, which is very. I mean, you know, yeah. they would probably say there isn't a point. Simone, <laughs> there Simone, is no meaning. Create your own. <laughs> Simone de Beauvoir actually said that she didn't consider herself a philosopher. Yeah. Like, even though everybody calls her a philosopher, um, I think, and maybe we'll have to like fix this in philosophical f ups. But I, I'm pretty mm-hmm. certain that Sartre also did not did didn't consider he. I think he considered himself a philosopher, and I'm pretty sure Simone de Beauvoir didn't. Uh, he didn't accept. I think it was. Um, some kind of prize, like a Nobel Prize or something like that, he refused to accept. Because he didn't believe that, um, he didn't think that people should, should, like, worry themselves with these kind of, like, external awards and things like that. Mm, yeah. I would absolutely accept any prize anyone wants to give me. Yeah, me too. I would even <laughs> take prizes for things I think I didn't think I deserved. But I also, I also don't call myself a philosopher just because it sounds like the most pretentious thing on earth. I'm a philosopher, you know? I do. I call myself a philosopher really? all the time. Oh, no. Philosopher. I would, you know what? I have enough humility problems. I don't, I don't need to run around calling myself a philosopher. I feel like I'm less humble than you are, but you're just really? more, Yeah. You're just more outwardly confident. I feel like my confidence is in Yeah, I guess I wouldn't call you humble either. Yeah, I'm not. But you're certainly not as, like, in your face, like... As I am with yeah. everything. Well, I'm certainly not like, oh, I I have no idea what right. I'm talking about. No. Well, you're yeah. in, in yeah. class though. You're a little bit more like, well, I'm not sure about this, but I think you know, like, yeah. like you're a little bit more. I don't know. You didn't. Nice. You didn't see me in uh, South African teachers' class over the rights theory. I class. don't even know who. Oh, right. oh, rights, I, I yeah. don't know that professor. So, yeah, yeah. Well, we should call him. He <laughs> said that he's friends with uh, Nelson Mandela. I don't South know if he was African been to professor. Is he from South Africa? He is. Oh, okay. We should call him Nelson Mandela's friend. I have friend. some relatives from there. Oh, really? They, well, they're Italian, but they, like, moved, like that branch of the family ended up I'm sure that's what Africa happened to him, too. Him. Yeah. yeah. But they, they fled <laughs> in, after apartheid, because they were white. So yeah. they were like, nope, and they got out of there. Well, this professor, I think he actually helped fight against apartheid. Oh, good. He's really that's cool. Awesome. Yeah, no, my relatives were definitely, like, living high, like... <laughs> as white people in South Africa, and then yeah. we're like, you know what? You should probably get out of here. <laughs> yeah. When, like, stuff started going down, so. These yeah. are distance relatives, mind you. Like, <laughs> I, I've met them once. <laughs> it's okay. I like so, I have lots of distant relatives. I don't know. Yeah. Kind of stuff there but, okay, so. So, so that's, so, okay, so for people who don't know, should we, yeah. should we give, like, a brief, like, existentialism yes. blurb? So, generally speaking, it's, what, 18... 60s, 1870s, 1870s or so. So the early, like, 1950s or so, like, would be absolutely, maybe 1940s. Like, yeah, it's basically, like it was around, really, what's considered, there's it's kind of contentious, like, who's considered an existentialist philosopher, but basically they arose in a time when there was World War One and World War Two, and there was a lot of 
chaos in the world. And, you know, there was the Holocaust and there were, you know, souls. And during World War One, a lot of people died. And it was the first world war, right. obviously. It was there was insanely a, brutal. Yeah. It was more brutal than anything anybody on Earth had ever, ever seen. seen and, so, right. and so basically people were just sort of like, wow. Mm-hmm. What does this mean? Is is there any meaning in life? Is there any reason that we should go on living? People were really starting to question their religious values. They were really starting to question um, their governments. They were starting to question everything and really starting to question everything about themselves. So existentialists, like even the the existence, they were starting to question everything about it. Um, And it it was as science and mathematics were on kind of this meteoric rise, everything was quantifiable, everything seemed, all the explanations uh, seemed to be measurable. It was, there was, like, mysticism, religion, philosophies kind of seemed to be getting pushed to the edges of explanation. That's right, yeah. Um, So then the question is, well, you know... Are, are we all atheists? Is there actually a God? Is there any meaning? Yeah. And that's kind of the core question of existentialism is, yeah. is there meaning? No. So, yeah. I mean, you know, most, they, most of them seem to be... Yeah, is there meaning? No, but okay. But what we, is the, maybe what if, we make one. Yeah, right? maybe we yeah. make our own meaning. And that's sort of the thing, like, Nietzsche did There's no external yeah. meaning. Yeah. That, that seems, I guess that's probably the core tenet. Yeah. That, yeah, yes. right? There's yes. no external meaning. So you have We're to kind of make one. a meaning for yourself yeah. kind of thing. So, or find something, you know, yeah. in the world or whatever. And yeah. Schopenhauer is probably, like, the precursor to all of this. He's, yeah. he's the guy, which I mentioned twice. <laughs> <laughs> His name is fun to say. Schopenhauer. Schopenhauer. Um, I got really good at spelling it during that class. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I, I always yeah. spell his name wrong. Yeah. Him and, like... And Nietzsche, I too. Right. I Nietzsche, got really good Nietzsche, at I'm so good at spelling. I got really good at spelling. I, I can spell Nietzsche all the time. <laughs> Nietzsche and, like, Sartre's not that hard, but, yeah. like, De Beauvoir. Yeah. Yeah, Nietzsche's the hard one. Um, so, yeah, so Schopenhauer's probably the precursor to all this because he wrote World is Will and Idea, and it was essentially saying, you know, uh, life has no meaning. Yeah. Suffering is, uh, comes from desire. Yes. We should reject suffering. And basically, a lot of people, actually, I've heard read it as very, like, Eastern philosophy. Yeah, I was say that's very Buddhist. It's very, yeah. I, I've heard a lot of people read it like that, yeah, yeah. as very, um, uh, rid yourself from the cycle of desire and that yeah. sort of thing. and that's the only way that you can find <clears throat> peace, because, yeah. Right, right. And so it was kind of monastic, kind of Eastern, and so, so Schopenhauer has this really famous book and says these ideas in it. And then you get guys like Nietzsche who come along. Nietzsche, Sartre, Sartre, Sartre. how do you say it? I say Sartre. Sartre. Oh, oh, is that the, oh, right. You speak French. Is that how it actually is? So wait, say say it again. Sartre. Sartre. And if I have any French <laughs> listeners, if I have some French friends, please, like, uh, je suis désolée, je ne parle pas bien. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't speak like that well. But. <laughs> Sartre. Sartre. So, yeah, I always say, like, Sartre. Um, <laughs> that's like, that's like, uh, Thrassy Mackis. Thrassy, Sassy Thrassy. Um, so Sartre, the Camus, uh, who, who else? Nietzsche, who was our Simone famous? Simone de Beauvoir. Um. Trying to, oh, Kafka. Kafka, of course. Right. Yeah. Um, anyone else? Any other really famous one? Heidegger, we said. Heidegger. Hegel? Um, uh, Hegel and, yeah. uh, or, and, um, Kierkegaard. Oh, Kierkegaard. Kierkegaard was one of, like, the religious ones. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, so those are kind of your general, if you want to look up people who are trying to find meaning in things where there is none or where they don't think it's given to them, at least. Yeah. Those and, are the guys you want to look up. And you can read Siddhartha, too. That's, that's a very quintessential existential oh, one. By Herman Hesse. Um, it's, yeah, Siddhartha is, like, it's supposed to be about Buddha, but it's, it's basically about him finding meaning in his life when there's no meaning. So it's, it's a very easy to read book and yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right. So do we want to do R2? Yes, I do. Okay. So there's, there's your primer on existentialism. And so if you ever hear anyone saying like, I'm going through an existential crisis, what they're saying is it's a crisis of meaning. Hopefully that's what they mean. Sometimes people say it, they're like, I'm going through an existential crisis and then they just mean like. They're really uh, sad about something. I really honestly mean, ex- well, of course I actually mean. Yeah, of course you do. Yeah. I actually went through an existential crisis when I was 13 and was like, oh my I god, there is no me. several. Okay. Yeah, me too. Me no, too. Mo- I, go, I think I go through one each, each week or something. Like, I'm like, what am I doing with my life? Who am I? See, I, those are never my questions. Yeah, because you know. you know, I know, I know the answer to both of those questions, but no, mine is always like, well, my most recent one was after David Bowie died. Yeah, you remember <laughs> Where I was like, 
like literally like lying in bed like life has no meaning the world will continue to exist after you die what's the point of it all it was very like it was legitimately super emotional for me but at least you got to live at the same time as david bowie your lives overlap i did yeah that's I guess so. <laughs> it was very upsetting. I understand. All right. So, um, yeah. So, you, we can start so with you, me. you're going to go first. I'm going to go first. Yes. So, this is actually a story that a lot of you might know. It's called The Myth of Sisyphus. Um, yay. Yay. <laughs> uh, by Camus. So, we were talking about Camus earlier, actually. So, Camus was very, very, um, he's known, he's very attractive, and he was very cool. He is super cute. He looks like French noir he as does. hell. Yeah, if you look up Go- pictures Google. of him, he's black Just and white, with, him, like, with a cigarette, with a cigarette. and, he's like, such a, a cute I can't remember. I don't think, he had, like, he, slick back hair. Yeah, slick back, and, like, the little, like, trench, like, coat. peacoat. It's yeah. so cute. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Yeah. I should, I should do, Cam- I should, uh, cosplay as Camus sometime. I brought him up in class today for the undergrads, because yeah. we're doing Sisyphus on Wednesday, and they were like, oh, look how cute he is. And I'm like, I know. <laughs> and then, like, poor Sartre. <laughs> Sartre's cute. Oh, I haven't even, he's, I gotta look him up now. He's supposed to be, like, he's, he is not conventionally attractive. I think he's cute, but he's not, like, conventionally see. attractive. What the heck are you, oh my gosh. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> but he's, like, Simone de Beauvoir is very beautiful, and so. Is he, like, and is he, he dated like, cross-eyed? He is, yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. So, yeah, like, Sephora <laughs> Sartre is, like, you know, okay, not well, so conventionally attractive, and then you Simone have, like, Barbara. beautiful Camus. Oh, Simone's beautiful. Yeah, she's, and she dated Sartre. Really? Yeah, they were in an open relationship. Oh, I think I knew about, yeah, yeah. there were all these French guys, yeah. like, all over the place. Yeah, because they're French. <laughs> was, the she, was she bisexual? Was she, she probably gone? was. I don't know. She probably uh, that, was. That'll be on Philosophical Epics next week. Yes. All right. There was, I feel like she might have been. I don't know. I don't remember hearing that, but I wouldn't be surprised. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. So, all right, the myth of Sisyphus. Yes. So, basically what happens is, um, Sisyphus... Uh, he defies the gods, and he puts death in chains so that he can stop people from having to die. Um, and of course, this is based on a Greek myth, and if you know how the the Greek gods are, they are not too happy with humans trying to defy them and do things against uh, their, their will and their wishes, and they want humans to die. So eventually, <laughs> death, like, breaks free of his chains, and when Sisyphus eventually dies, they're like, no, you're not going to get off too easily because you put death in chains, so now you're going to suffer for the rest of eternity. So they make him suffer. He has to push a boulder up a hill every single day, and then when the bo- at, at night, when the boulder is at the top of the hill, it rolls back down the hill, and Sisyphus, for the rest of his life, has to keep rolling the boulder up the hill and then watching it roll back down and then pushing it back up again. So, this is sort of the, the very, very, this is a, a, a foundation of existentialism, this idea that we are Sisyphus, we humans are Sisyphus, so we toil all of the time to push this boulder up the hill and to just, to work every single day for nothing. There is no meaning, there is no reason that we do it, it's just for the sake of pushing the boulder up the hill and then the boulder's just... They, there's nothing you that you've accomplished. Yeah, it's very, it's very quintessentially existentialist, right? Yes. Where it's you know all this toil for no purpose, for no reason, yeah. and it's like why are we working you and never doing get all ahead. this? There's, there's no, no progress. There's no prize. Yeah. So basically, Camus, you you might look at this and be like, wow, our lives are really horrible because we just put boulders up hills just to watch them fall back down. I always think about. Um, uh, yard work when I think about it. <laughs> because because you were doing yard work well, today because or... I was doing yard work this weekend and yeah. also because it's just like the quintessentially like the battle you're never gonna win yeah because like you have to you have to constantly do it it's like dishes and well dishes at least like they're produced by something you did yeah. right so like there's more of them because of something you did yeah. with yard work it keeps showing, like, the weeds keep growing and the grass keeps growing and all this stuff keeps happening. Yeah. No matter what you do. True. Right? True. Fair so, point. it's just passage of time. And eventually, nature will retake the land. Yes. Once we're gone. And that's very... Yay, that's nature. A, that is existentially horrifying to me. That that's is... Wonderful that, that is That is... That is... I, like... That's... It, there was a Discovery Channel, uh, I think it was Discovery Channel special, they did, like, Life After People. I saw that. That was so That's good. my nightmare. I love it. That's my nightmare. It's like the 
fix all of the, the damage earth, that we do. What, I was like, like at the end, I was screaming like, "We were here! But don't remember us! Remember us!" I think that's <laughs> like a fundamental difference between us because I don't care about being remembered. Oh, I want no. my ideas like no. love and compassion and like. You know, I'm glad we dynamited our faces into a mountain. Like that's like the only thing that, that keeps me. That's the only thing. It that wasn't keeps your me. face. It was the no, but it's husband. but at least it's one the face of humans. So like it's actually like physically what we look like, right? Yeah. So like let's say aliens come here a hundred thousand years from now, like they'll know they'll have a basic template for what we look like as like humanoids, right? Yeah. And number two, it's like our great leaders, right? These are people that we think did a really good job at leading. Like, at the country. time, they thought they did. So, really at least Lincoln's up there. It's Washington. Yeah. Washington's incredible. Yeah. I will, Washington. I, will, I will die on this hill. Washington is, like, too good to be true. Like, everything I read about Washington, I'm like, I can't believe. He was a really good he's person. He's, like, mythically perfect well, he for, gave, like, he the was moment like, in history that he was. He was like, yeah, I'm going to give up. He's like, I'm going to yeah. give up power because I think it's better for Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I can't believe he did that. Yeah. Oh. Ah, okay. Washington. So, Washington, Lincoln, FDR's pretty grand. I just, I am really, I have a beef with FDR because he didn't like Jews. Wait, is it FDR? I'm sorry, it's Jefferson. Yeah, Jefferson (laughs) and Roosevelt. Jefferson, it's the other Roosevelt. Roosevelt. Yeah. Which, yay other Roosevelt, man, Jefferson. Yeah, Jefferson being a slave owner and like, yeah. 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 And not great. Okay. Yeah, not, yeah. Jefferson. At least we can agree that we don't really love Jefferson. We don't like Jefferson. Yeah. Fantastic. We're both Hamilton fans, I think that's why. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. In in the biography, in the Chernow biography, which is what the musical is based on, like, Jefferson is, like, Chernow, like, hates Jefferson. So, like, I think Chernow hates Jefferson more than he hates, like, Aaron Burr. <laughs> like, he just constantly is, like, this guy thought of himself as a philosopher who would retire, but he was wrong. He was a jerk. Like, <laughs> well, yeah, you can't be like, I'm against slavery, but, well, well exactly. Slaves. Yeah. It, exactly. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, and I totally, like, this girl could totally consent to be my wife, you know, the uh, slave Well, he, and he always refused to acknowledge them, and he, and, like, everyone knew. Everyone who, like, went to, like, Monticello was like, there's a lot of really white black people walking around here. Like, yeah. literally. That's, like, what people would say. And Jefferson was like, what? Everything's fine. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, Cherno, like, like, rips on Jefferson all the time. Anyway. But, yeah, so that would be an existential fear or horror is, like, my existential terror over the thought that one day we will be forgotten. Everything we have done has been for naught. Yes. All of our progress will be taken back and away from us and by nature. And you will never be remembered. And, and no matter what you do, no matter uh, how much you try to, like, download your brain onto a computer mm-hmm. or anything, it can mm-hmm. be destroyed because nothing is permanent. You literally just have to, like, blast words into a mountain. But even then, mountains get worn down. Eventually. Yeah. The eagle in the mountain. Yeah. Astro City plug. Go read Astro City. <laughs> by Kurt Busiek. All right. I have to read it, too. Oh, I should I should give you Eagle on the Mountain. I've been so reading Mitch good. Planet. It's really good. Also, Aaron oh, told me about that. So, so good. good. Yeah. All right. Sorry. So, yes. This is so, so good. But it's good. We're telling you about, yeah. like, this. Then there's something I mean, all, most people, I think, worry about. What? How will I be remembered? Yeah. How will, maybe, you know, as Arrow was saying, how will humans be remembered? Yeah. You know, what is what is this all for? And this is what people are worrying about. Maybe there's no meaning to my life. There's no afterlife that I'm going to get into. This is it. Rolling a boulder up a hill and watching it fall down, and that's it. But Camus wants to say, you know what? This is a beautiful thing because right. you get to feel that accomplishment of having pushed that boulder up the hill and done a good job. You get that one sigh of relief mm-hmm. as you watch it roll down of that, that feeling of having done something and nothing can take that away. Having done something, even if nobody remembers it. And even if there is no actual meaning, you can create meaning and you can have the beauty of being right here and of appreciating what you have and of seeing your works crumble and just <laughs> laughing and saying, but I did that. I did something. It doesn't, it doesn't matter that nobody else knows about it. Well, and it's also that you've got this very heroic sort of rage, rage against the dying light sort yeah. of thing uh, happening where it's like, who cares? If, if there isn't meaning, well, we shake our fists at the, at the caringless universe sort yeah. of thing, you know? Yeah. Um, the atoms are just going to be born away on the sands of time and entropy will swallow us all, but we'll still build stuff even though we know it's going to collapse eventually. Yes. So. so yeah, Camus saw Sisyphus as a hero. Right. He was, he was the one who was fighting against this meaningless world. Okay. Yeah. So cute story from class today. Yeah. So the undergrads were doing, um, 
in, in uh, Dumbledore professor's class were doing. <laughs> yeah, uh, I love that he's Dumbledore professor. <laughs> we're doing meaning without God is, okay. is this section, right? Okay. So we're doing the exis- a lot of existentialists. So we did Tolstoy first, and Wednesday we're doing Sisyphus. And today I heard two, two of the undergrad girls talking to each other about Sisyphus, and they said... Oh, oh, did you do the reading for Wednesday? No, no, what, it's it's this it's it's the sissy guy, and <laughs> with a rock. And I'm like, oh my gosh! <laughs> so, so myth of Sisyphus is that sissy guy with a rock. I like this, yeah. <laughs> Which also, I was kind of vaguely like, how have you not your college age students? How have you not heard? Yeah, of this I mean, like I took a whole class on existentialism, and I was like, oh, okay, well, this is something I've heard. The, of. Right, yeah. this is the thing that we've. It's kind of like the Plato's cave. Like you, yeah. you've encountered this before. In Even pop if you culture. don't know Come it, on. like in its entirety, you know. Yeah, yeah. but that but, sissy but, guy. Yeah, so they're they're learning about that sissy. I'm glad they're learning about it at least. That sissy and guy Camus, with the rock. Camus, yeah. they Camus and sissy. I think I got sissy to them guy. before any of them tried to pronounce Camus' name. So, okay, because I was showing off pictures of how cute he was. I'm like, guys, for your reading for Wednesday, look how cute he is! <laughs> he was really handsome, yeah. Yeah. Do you know, um, what is it? There's, like, existential comics or something like that. They... I don't think I've seen those. No. They're, they're really... I mean, they're really cute. Mm-hmm. And they did one about, um, Camus and Simone de Beauvoir being superheroes and then Sartre was like, I, you know, like, they were like, oh, sorry, you're not as good looking as us. <laughs> oh, well, you know. It's okay. Whatever. But, well, so, you know, Sartre was brilliant. It's fine. He's, yeah. And he got to date Simone de Beauvoir. He's great. Sartre was in the grand tradition of Socrates. Yes, of being Be really with an ugly. ugly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And of me. <laughs> what? I'm joking. I'm joking. Oh, my gosh. I was going to say, I mean, you may not be Camus, but you're no Sartre. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I'm, like, in the middle. I'm, like, perfectly average, like the golden mean. <laughs> That's probably not, like, can't move. I'm, like, the, the yeah. <laughs> I, we won't get into that. I was joking, though. And also, I didn't, I, I had another story. I wanted to tell you guys about a book. Okay. It's called The Elegance of the Hedgehog. And I read it in my existentialist existentialism I've heard class. of this. It's so good. Maybe. So I don't want to ruin the t- book for t- you. Tell me about this. I think I've heard of it. So I don't want to ruin the book for you, but basically it's um, these two women. So also we were talking about, you know, women philosophers and all this. So it's a book written by a woman and it's uh, Muriel, uh, I think her last name is Barbary. And it's about two women, uh, Paloma and Renee. And Renee is this, you know, she's this quiet, reserved concierge, and everybody thinks that she, because she's ugly, that she must be, have no mental life at all. You know, that she, like, (laughs) you know, that she must be boring, and that she has nothing going on, and, you know, she has this kind of, she's a concierge, she doesn't have a terribly, like, uh, you know, in their minds, because they're kind of, like, snooty society. Like, like a demanding a job. job. Yeah. Yeah. But she, she loves literature, and she's incredibly intelligent, and she, she's, she has this beautiful mind, and she's a beautiful human being, mm-hmm. and nobody notices it, except for Paloma. Paloma's this little girl from a very rich family. She lives in the, um, in the apartments of, of Paris that, um, that, that, uh, Renee works for, and Paloma is... Paloma is a very, like, interesting, smart girl, but she's also very quiet, and she's, you know, kind of weird, and she, uh, she, she decides very early on in the book that she's going to kill herself. Mm-hmm. So that's something existentialists also deal with, because she's like, yeah, there's no meaning of my life, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and there's always this question of why not commit suicide. Yeah, like, if there's if, no meaning. <laughs> like, every existentialist feels the need to answer yeah. that question. And it's, they all say it's because you can create meaning here and now. You get to die eventually. Just enjoy your life and do something now right. while you have this. It's like this kind of, I don't want to say gift. I don't know if they'd see it as a gift, but it's this thing that you so happen to stumble into in life. You take a gasp of air, enjoy it, and then you can die later naturally. Right. But, so that's basically the story. It's this very shy concierge and Paloma. Are and they lesbians in it? No. Okay. No, no, I'm sorry. Renee is an adult woman and Paloma's a little girl. Oh, okay. Yes. I, I was thinking this was a story of, like, two young women out in the world and doing things. Okay. No, no. Okay. And then there's a Japanese man who comes and they both are intrigued by him because okay. uh, maybe somewhat aso- exoticizing him, I don't know. But, like, they, they're, they're, they're like, there's this Japanese man who comes and he's so refined and interesting and they're both drawn to him. And that kind of, like, changes the course of the right. story. So it's so good. Do you, know what's, do you know what's a great movie? Movie, I'm gonna wreck because yeah. um, we're talking about this. Have you ever seen Harold and Maude? I love Harold and Maude. It's, so it's the best. So I'm do you totally, realize? Totally it's, do you realize it's Nietzsche and Schopenhauer? 
that she's Nietzsche and he's Schopenhauer. You're right. I know. <laughs> Is that, did, was that what the intention was? I don't know if that was the intention, but I had a professor who showed it to us in class after doing our Nietzsche and Schopenhauer unit to be like, they're Nietzsche and Schopenhauer. <laughs> I because just, one of them, they're both. Yeah, they're one both. of them's like, he tries to kill, like, right. Harold, like, the start, the beginning of the scene, he's trying to hang himself. He's and, always like, killing himself. He's constantly. always killing himself and his mom's like, oh, Harold again. You know? <laughs> he drives a hearse. Yes. They both, but here's the thing. They both attend funerals they as, do. like, their pastime. They both enjoy all of that meaninglessness of life sort of yeah. thing, but he enjoys it in, like, a sad, depressed way. Yeah. And she enjoys it, Maud, enjoys it in, like, the say yes to suffering, say yes to desire, you know, like, yeah. life has no meaning, let's climb a tree. So yeah, right. yeah. So that's oh. definitely very Maud. And yeah. the, the, one of the one of the big things in the story is that Harold was, like, a young boy. Oh, yeah. And Harold's, like, like, 17, and Maud is 79. Yeah. And... It's a love story. They, yeah, they consummate their relationship. Oh, yes, they do. It's very 70s. It is. It's so 70s. But it's so, I love it. It's so, and it's Cat Stevens. I think he's 18 or 19. Because it's like, it's legal. Well, it's legal. Yeah. Well, but I thought maybe back then. I don't, you know what? I don't, I don't know. Yeah, we weren't alive in the 70s. So <laughs> I don't think it was 17. Oh, maybe he was 18 or 19. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah. Because I think he was like, he dropped out of college or something. Oh, that's I right. Remember, I think, right. Yeah. I think he was like, aren't you doing something with your life? Right. So, so just... maybe he was even like 20 or something. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, he's very young, and uh, she's 79. Yeah. I know she's 79, because that's a plot point. Yes, so, yes, yeah. yes, it's an important point. Um, so, yeah, it's a great Cat Stevens soundtrack. It's a great movie. And I'm sure a bunch of people are listening to this, like, yeah, we know you fake hipsters. Everyone knows Harold and Maude, because it's, like, the classic, like, have you seen this movie? Like... But not everybody has seen it. Yeah, no, it's really good, though. I highly recommend yeah, it. Yeah, if you haven't seen it. We're not it's trying to say, like, oh, movie. we were the first ones to think... No, obviously, it's, like, a very famous movie. Right, yeah. It's... you. I mean, like, the myth of, the myth of Sisyphus is a pretty famous myth, but that doesn't mean that we can't recommend you true, to read it. True, true. Like, well, one time, one time I, like, had said something about it, like, online, and someone was like, everyone has seen that movie. And I'm like, okay, buddy, like, I don't know. You know what? Until fairly recently, I hadn't seen The Matrix. So, you know... Oh, my it, God. I was I watched that movie like literally every day for ninth grade. Like that was I was obsessed with that. That's movie what I did with the Harry Potter when it first came out, the, yeah. the Philosopher's Stone. Um well, the movie. I, I loved Mouse in in the guy the kid who died well, in the Matrix. Oh in the Matrix. Yeah. I was thinking Mouse like by Art Spiegelman, which I still have to oh, give you. Oh, which you have to give me. Yes. I haven't read it yet. Okay. Yeah. Here, let me do mine. Okay. So Anyway, Carol and Maude, sidetrack. Yes. Um, so the one that I picked was The Castle by Fr- Franz Kafka. So most people know Kafka from Metamorphosis. Yes. Right? Which is the whole the guy turns into a cockroach thing. Yes. Which I've heard that if you read it backwards, it's actually delightful. <laughs> I've never tried that. Because it's like, oh, this, this family moves out and this cockroach and eventually becomes a man and he gets a life in an apartment or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> right? But yeah. I, I'm not here to talk about Metamorphosis, which honestly I actually have never read, like, all the way. Like, I just, I have, I just know what it is. In my high school, we actually did a play. It was yeah. a different Metamorphosis, mm-hmm. which I didn't realize, so I read the Kafka Metamorphosis thinking that's the one we were going to do. Did you do, do you do Ovid Metamorphosis? Yes, yes. <laughs> it was, well, it was based on that. Right. Like, it was, yeah, it was based on, like, uh, yeah. So, but I read this, and I'm like, oh, Kranz Kafka, yeah. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. We're going to do a play of this. I've had to translate a lot of Metamor- Ovid's Metamorphosis. Oh, really? Yeah. That was, that was like, kind of standard, because they were, like, little short ones, so that was yeah. kind of standard Latin translation practice. That's very translated cool. a whole bunch of the Metamorphoses. And, like, I read the trial, too. The trial's good. But, yeah, so I haven't even read that. So, the yeah. one Kafka thing I've read was The Castle, which is, like, a weird one, because, like, most people don't read this yeah, one. I've never read it, so, so I'm excited to learn. Um, so what it's about, and it's very, so you might have heard, gentle listener, the term Kafka-esque, right? Which is generally applied to think David Lynch movies, right? Yeah. It's very weird, it's very surreal, it's creepy, it's eerie, but in a very bizarro way. Yeah. You know, in a very, like, Salvador Dali way. You're trying to leave, but all the doors lead to more entrances and that sort of thing. Yeah. And that's what the castle is. Oh, cool. So the castle is about this guy who is is journeying, I think Kay is the name of the, the main character. And, yeah. And he goes to this city and this village on the outside, outskirts of this castle. Okay. And he's trying to get to the castle. And essentially, it's a bureaucratic nightmare. 
Oh, God. Is what the story is. So, so, you know, like, the, bureau- the central bureaucracy episode of Futurama? Yes. That's this book. Oh, gosh. So, where, like, he can't get out of the village. Yeah. Like, he's constantly trying to get out of the village because he's got business in the castle, and the castle summoned him, and he's trying to get to the castle. But it's, like, this insane maze of, like, surreal, that you can awful. never leave sort of thing. That sounds Hotel awful. California style. <laughs> and, and it's all very bizarre and eerie and has sort of like a Lewis Carroll feel at times where there's like this barmaid and you don't know what she knows or if she knows this or that. And it's just, it's cool. Like, yeah. it's just really, like, I, I, I really like that sort of like surrealist bizarre yeah. feels to things. And, and there's just, there's not enough things out there with that sort of... I love surrealism. Yeah. It's so, like, that's why you love David Bowie so much. You were talking about being sad. Like, he has True. a very surrealist sort of I love it too. I love I love Dolly. I love I like we both I love Labyrinth, yeah. but that has a surrealist kind right. of tinge to it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's just there's just not enough stuff that gets done that captures that. That really does it so weird, well. Yeah, yeah. And and the castle is just a really great example of that, where it's just it's he's constantly you know he checks he's like trying to get to the castle, so then he gets a hotel room, but you can't check out of the hotel or the keys over here, and he can't find his room. And there's this barmaid who keeps showing up in different hotels, and he tries to stay in a different one, but it's the same one. I want to know who the barmaid is. Yeah, the barmaid's weird. Like I assume there's like a point to it, but yeah. I, mind you, I read this about eight or nine years ago, okay. so I don't remember all of it super well. But yeah, there was like all this weird stuff going, and like he would keep running into. I think there's twins at some point. He keeps running into like oh. these different characters. Is it is it like The Shining? Uh, no, okay. no, it's not like that okay. because because he's moving throughout the village. Okay, like so it's not just in one hotel. Like okay. he's he's constantly moving throughout the village and like meeting different characters. But like it's kind of that thing where it's like okay, well I think I'm progressing, but I'm not. Okay. Right? So, like, he'll be like, okay, well, let me let me walk through this section of the village, and that'll get me closer to the castle. But it's the same as the last section he was at, and he's at no closer to the castle. The road goes on forever, and, you know. There's a Mario, like, level like that, mm-hmm. and it's so infuriating. <laughs> I mean, you have to, like, figure out the way to get out of it eventually. Right, you yeah. have to take a specific... Ba- so, yeah. so, basically, what this is supposed to be yeah. is essentially, you know, bureaucracy and... That sort yeah. of thing, right? Yeah. Like, the soul-crushingness of bureaucracy and how people lose their way and all this. And, but apparently, um, this was Kafka's last book. He died before he finished it, which I didn't know. I didn't know that either. Um, so I was looking up the Wikipedia article. <laughs> and, but he had told his friends how he was planning on ending it. Yeah. And the answer is, Kay dies in the village and never gets to the castle. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> is that what happens? Because that's, so, that's what would make sense. It, it's left unfinished. Like, they include notes and different stuff. So they, they don't ever, um, at least in the, the copy I have, like, yeah. they actually just include, like, his various sketches from, like, later sections and, like, um, like what he was going to do sort of thing. Okay. Um, but they just they just leave it unfinished, which I think is almost even better yeah. than having him die. Just having an unfinished book. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Which, because that's the whole thing. You're like, how do we get out of this village? Right. The castle, you never get out of the village. You're I, just stuck there forever. I mean, that's kind of the ultimate ending for a book like The Castle, yeah. is to have it not have an ending. Well, that's also so. like, that's like waiting for Godot or something. Like, you're waiting for this person to show up, and they just never, you're waiting for, like, this book to end, I guess, but it just mm-hmm. never ends. Mm-hmm. It just, like, stops randomly. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Very meaningless. Very, yeah. 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 So, yeah, that one was really cool. I really enjoyed reading that one for uh, my class that I took back in, like, 08. And so, yeah, The Castle. I, rec- I recommend checking it out if um, if you've ever read Metamorphosis or anything like that and you like, or, or you've read, like, um, something like Alice in Wonderland, something that was yeah. surrealist and you want to get that weird vibe, yeah. check out The Castle because it gives you that real vi- a weird vibe in a re- very cool way, like, in a very literary way. Like, it's just a good read. Yeah. So, yeah. Kafka's a great writer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just like a really, like, if you're just looking for, like, a weird surrealist book to read over the weekend, read The Castle. Like, it's just, it's that fun. Yeah. So, <laughs> and see, this is why I think oh, of existentialist as, like, more literary, yeah. you know, because they yeah. are stuff that you can just read, like, and enjoy just because you're reading it, so. Yeah. That's cool, though. I mean, my, my introduction to existentialism was actually through theater mm. when I was in high school, because I took a class um, as an undergraduate, but in um, in high school, we did, like, like it's surrealist theater, existential theater. Like, did you do No Exit? We did, um, yes, No Exit, which was actually written by Saul. I uh, love No Exit. Yeah. That has been I love it. <laughs> True. 
True. We're talking about folklore. True, it does. <laughs> I, but it's sad and ending lesbians. Yes. It's, yes. it's not, yeah, so. You but, oh, uh, I love No Exit. You would love this, you would love this play called The Dumb Waiter. It's so good. Oh, wait, I hang on. Winter. Wait, before we get into that, yeah. FYI, guys, the whole hell is other people thing comes from No, no Exit. Exit. Yeah. That's where that's from, famously. So it's a one-act play. It's like all... 40 pages. Yeah, it's very easy. Okay, so tell me about The Dumbwaiter. So The Dumbwaiter's by Harold Pinter. I think he's still alive. I think he's still writing plays. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm pretty certain he just wrote some, so I'm sorry if I'm wrong about that. Uh, But Harold Pinter... (laughs) Philosophical F-ups! Philosophical F-ups! Oops! No, but basically, so, there are these two guys, and you basically find out throughout the course of the play that they're they're hitmen, and they get Mm -hmm. orders from a dumbwaiter. And, I don't know, should I tell you the whole story? Because it's like... I kind of want to know, but maybe tell me off air in okay. case people want to avoid spoilers. Yeah, because it's, it's cool. So, it's, like, their messages just come from a dumb reader. Yeah, okay. and it's very strange to read because it's supposed to be a play, right? But, you know, like, they do these really weird things. Like, I think there's at some point where they're, like, tying and untying their shoes, and they do just, like, pointless, stupid mm, things. Yeah. And the point is supposed to be that, you know... A lot of your life is it's the dumb waiters a play on words because they're kind of dumb and they're waiting for right for their right. orders. So like in our lives we're more or less just waiting. Right. We're waiting and waiting and waiting for something yeah. that happens. And but like our lives are lived in the the moments that we wait. Yeah. We do I always wait. hate that. Yeah. That that like that John Lennon BS. Life is what happens while you're busy making other plans. No, my plans are the life, and I fulfill them, and they happen, John Lennon. They happen. <laughs> I hate I hate that quote. I, I guess I so would much. be John Lennon. You can be, like, you can be... Can uh, I be Paul? Yeah, you're Paul McCartney. I'll take Paul. You're the... You're the no, big, you're Paul's, the Paul's a big sap. He is. You can, be, you can be Ringo Starr. Oh my gosh, you can be Ringo Starr, like that's a gift. How about, I'll take George Harrison, he was religious. Yeah, so he that's was, true. He was kind of the religious center of the group, right? Yeah. So I'll take George Harrison. Okay. And he wrote Here Comes the Sun, and I love sun. I like here. Sunshine, though. That's not what I thought you were going to say. I thought you were going to say I love that song. I, I mean, the song's also cute. Yeah. But I, I, like, it's a good song. Yeah. I think he actually wrote the most songs of any of the Beatles. Um... No. No? Okay. But he wrote a lot. Yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah. I yeah, I like George Harrison. I'll take George Harrison. Okay, you're George Harrison. I'll be John Lennon. Yeah. That's, you're totally John Lennon. <laughs> oh. I don't know how if I should take that as a compliment or not based on what you just said. Well, you But know. I like John Lennon, yeah. so whatever. Right. Everybody exactly. loves John Lennon. My mom loves John Lennon. Oh, good. Your mom will love me. Yeah. Talk to her about John Lennon. I will. How to win over Arrow's mom. (laughs) Talk about John 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 Lennon Lennon and Bulldogs. Bulldogs. Um, Italian stuff. No, I mean, she's easy. Yeah. Yeah. She's a very pleasant person. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure. She seems seems like it from what you've said. (laughs) All right. So, anything else about existentialism we want to talk about? Oh, yeah. Um, Life is the meaning that you create so don't be too depressed with this episode i remember i, I talked like existentialism yeah. through the watchman like to oh, a bunch yeah. of undergrads and i think i made a lot of them cry yeah the comedian is nietzsche yeah the laughing child yeah yeah, yeah that's the whole point yeah but was it uh, and Pagliacci. Pagliacci. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And well, and he's very like he literally says at several points, like life is meaning. There's no meaning. There's and no there's point. There's no yeah. So Nietzsche quotes throughout the whole entire yeah. Like at the beginning That's of right. each chapter. Rorschach's con. Yeah, definitely. You know yeah. Definitely. Oh damn! I thought I was going to tell you. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I, well, I should have figured. We both we're both philosophers who have read Watchmen. I love Watchmen. So. And then like the virtue ethicist is uh is the uh, night owl. Yeah, and, and of, of course um, feminist ethics. Ozymandias is the utilitarian. Is utilitarianism, of course. Ozymandias. The, I'm not for sure how to say it. Is it Ozymandias or Ozymandias? Or? So I pronounced it, when I'm reading it in my head, which yeah. is clearly the wrong way, is, is Ozymandias. But okay. I think it's Ozymandias. It's Ozymandias? I think. Because in the movie, I want to say that how they do you call say him, it? I, don't I think know. they call him Ozymandias. Oh gosh, maybe they do. I remember I, it was they say his name at some point. They also say, I this also don't know Adrian. how to say his last name, which is, I always pronounce it Veet, but I think it's Veet. It's Veet? I always said Veet. I always said Veet, but oh. I think Veet's wrong. We should just call him Adrian. <laughs> I liked him. He actually, that's one thing I actually really liked about the movie was it made me appreciate his character more. The, yeah. Because when I read, when I read the, um, the, the graphic novel, I hated 
him. Like, I was like, oh, blah, go away. And I was all about the comedian, and to a lesser extent, Rorschach. Yeah. And I know you're all about Rorschach and hate the comedian. The Rorschach story is my favorite. But, the, well, it. see, the comedian was all laughing child, Nietzsche, ideal sort of thing. So, like, I was very into that. Yeah. But when I saw the movie, it made me appreciate, like, Vita a lot more as a character and, yeah. like, where he was coming from and sort of thing. So, like, I mean, not that he was right, but, but like, I liked it. It was, it, it was much more compelling. Yeah. I think I, I think it was Matthew Good, honestly, the actor, who, like, just kind of, like, brought something he, way more interesting to good, the role. He was a good actor. Yeah, he was really good. So... That was good. But, um, so, you know, props to the movie for making me appreciate a character in a different way. Two thumbs up. So, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, 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 there's there's so much, like, junk that gets talked about the Watchmen movie. Speaking of junk, <laughs> Dr. Manhattan. <laughs> <laughs> Blue junk. <laughs> I was just trying to censor myself. <laughs> but, you know, that movie gets, like, trashed a lot. And, and yeah, on the one hand, yeah. Alan Moore didn't like it. I liked the movie. I, I mean, thought it was great. I, I understand all the problems with the movie. Yeah. But the one thing I have to say for it is it made me appreciate one of the characters in a different way. Yeah. Ergo, it's a success. Like, at, the, yeah. at that point, it did its job. It took it to a different medium and made me look at it in a different way. I loved the, the opening so. sequence because there's a, there's a lot more you can do in a graphic novel. They could, you know, mm-hmm. introduce all these bad characters, all of that. You can't really do that in a movie. Right. But, but the they opening tried to scene with, with yeah. the, the times they are changing, mm-hmm. that was so good. Yeah. That's beautiful. That is a beautiful sequence. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So, in the... Yeah. So, he's... um, what What is Dr. Manhattan, philosophically? Um, he's supposed to be the Ubermensch from Existential Philosophy, I think. Like, he's supposed to be like this... from, from Nietzsche? Yeah. Like, he's supposed to be this, what, but I think... What, what, Zarathustra. Thus speaks Zarathustra. That's yeah. He he's either supposed to be that, or he's supposed to be this... Well, I of, thought he was supposed to be more, like, kind of Russellian, in a way. Everything's atoms and determinism. Right? It could be. I was thinking that he was someone going through an existential crisis. Yeah, I mean, he, he is. Yeah, like, because... he definitely is. This yeah. realizing that there is no God or that he kind of is, like he's God in the sense that he is the creator, you know, or he's mm. the creator of his own destiny. Very humanist. Yeah. 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 And you know, you know, he might just be kind of like a, um, not a positivist, but that sort of like, like yeah. modern 20th century, everything is atoms in the void. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. but yeah, I can see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. So there's your Watchmen primer. <laughs> we, you can you can go ahead and skip all those like Watchmen and philosophy books. Done. Like, <laughs> yeah, we we're gonna do an episode on the Watchmen. We and were gonna do a episode. We can we can go more into it. We can go more. Into I actually, it. you know what? I have. I someone gave it to me one Christmas. Watchmen and philosophy. Really? And, and I've never actually read it. I just kind of thumbed through it. So I should read it and find out what they say. Doctor Manhattan is. I, I think I had a professor who wrote for it. I know he wrote for some of those, like, such and such, like, pop culture thing right. and philosophy. Dad always says that's what I need to do. I, I need to do pop culture and philosophy stuff and make things. I would like to that. do that. That would yeah. be fun. I don't want to do that. Yeah. I don't think there's a point in doing that. I think it's useless. I think it helps <laughs> introduce philosophy to people who might not otherwise engage well, Okay, in it. Like yeah. what we're doing right now. Like, on the one hand, yeah, that. On the other hand, I feel like I could... I feel like I'm too good for that. <laughs> I feel like my philosophical intellect could be better used. I think elsewhere. I change my my mind about me being less humble than you. <laughs> You're definitely less humble than I am, and that's not saying a lot. That's like, but yeah, I mean, that is saying a lot. You know what? Remember when we were talking about Rugrats and how Helga Pataki, or not Helga? Helga you are Helga Pataki too, from my hair. Also that, yeah. But how uh, Angelica's Angelica? mom is like right on, yeah. a, In retrospect, and yeah. training her daughter to be confident and to secure her womanhood and all that stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah. So you know what? That's how my mom was. Well, good, good. I'm happy about yeah. that. I I I think I would be Tommy. Like he's a he's a weird person, but he's very... I so didn't want to be Angelica and I so was. I, I wanted to be Susie. I could see you as Susie, Susie though. Was so nice. I could I think I could see myself as Susie. She yeah. liked to sing and she was but I oh, thought Susie was, was very weird. caring and like yeah. yeah. Anyway, okay, that's enough. We've we have we have we have like mapped ourselves onto like six different things this episode. The we Beatles, have, Rugrats. It's like existentialism and we're in the Watchmen. castle. You're waiting for the castle to come, but we're just stuck in like the, the nonsense <laughs> of our pop culture world. We should just like end it right like like mid sentence so then they think it's like, oh what? Did we lose half the episode? No, it's existential. But then you just did that, so now they're going to know it's coming, so no. we should just well, end it in the middle but of the But I, I wouldn't do that. Like, that would frustrate me. That really? Would, I would, would do that. Now that you've said that, now they know what's happening, so yeah. now they're just waiting. They don't know when it's going to end, and they're just waiting <laughs> for it to end, and it's just like, in their bellies, they can feel the acid flying up as they await, 
the end of this episode. What? Do they have heartburn? <laughs> <laughs> because they're eating their they're eating their like lunch or dinner or whatever while they're listening to us. That is when I listen to podcasts. Yeah, exactly. Also doing dishes. The great existential terror. Yes. <laughs> and doing yard work. Uh, I and also laundry. Laundry's the worst. Uh, because you always have to do laundry, or you could just yeah. walk around naked. I don't... Well, and I have to do 20 times more laundry than anyone in the universe because, because of Max. Max. Yeah. All right. I think that's good. I think that's a good existential discussion. What do you think? I think it was an excellent existential discussion, <laughs> Arrow. Indeed. Quite, quite. <laughs> All right. So, um, any qu- you know what? I, I feel like I need to make, like, a Twitter account for this at some point. So yeah, that, So it. that people can actually, like, tweet us questions if they have them. That would be great. We want to interact with people. So. Yes, I do. Yeah. I mean, I guess I can make it since, uh, since I'm the one who wants to interact with people. Okay. Are you on? Do you, are you good at Twitter? Like, can you use Twitter? <laughs> well, like, like for instance, I wouldn't be able to do a Facebook group because I, I don't do Facebook, but I, I do Twitter. A, I have a Twitter, okay. but it's old, and I, 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 I know how to tweet. I don't know, like, okay. yeah, I, I know how to, like... That's what I'm asking. Yeah. Like, have you used Twitter recently? I can use okay. the Twitter. Not recently, have Listen, been. listen, I could, if, if, if we had started a Snapchat group or a Facebook group, I wouldn't be, I don't even know if there's Snapchat groups, see? So, like, that's what I was asking. Are there Snapchat there's, groups? I don't know. There's, there's so many, a myriad of different social media networks that, like... I know Instagram, but that's just photos, so what are right. we going to do? Instagram pictures of our, like, screen? I, I totally Instagram, on my personal Instagram, I Instagram pictures of, like, my readings and stuff. I do that all the time. Mine are, like, artistic pictures of, you know, that I'm like, here's an artistic picture of a chair no. sitting in the sunlight. My Instagram is 90% max. I was going to say. And then 10% little doodles I draw in the sides, like, like little, like, mathematical things that I, <clears throat> like, geom- geometric proofs and stuff that I draw on the sides of my readings. So, because sometimes they look really cool. Sometimes yeah. they're, like, cute little, so, like, I... No one cares. I don't care. Whatever. <laughs> it's for me. I'm going to follow you on Instagram. Please don't. Okay. I follow um, your mom. Yeah. That's fine. <laughs> your mom's dog, actually. Um, okay. So, yeah. Maybe we'll, we'll start a Twitter eventually, and okay. it'll be, it'll be, you can't be serious. Like, yeah. at you can't be serious, unless yeah. we can't get that. And so. then it'll be like, you can't be serious something else yeah. added on to But it. otherwise, feel free to comment on SoundCloud. There is a comment thing oh, that you can use on I didn't that. Know that. So yeah, feel free to comment on there. We'll see that. And uh, we'll also try and make a Twitter, I guess. So if you guys want to... Oh, we got to pick a thing for next week. Yeah. I didn't even think about it. Are we going to do this while we're talking to them? Yeah. Oh, okay. What do you want to do for next week? I was going to say Watchmen, but I guess not. Let's not do Watchmen. Let's save that for another time. Um, How about crushes? Philosophical crushes? Yeah. I'll have to think about that one. But yeah, mine was gonna. Well, I know what mine's gonna be. Is it gonna be It was gonna be Kimbo. <laughs> so I, I might have to change it to someone else. There's lots of people to crush on. Okay, let's do philosophical crushes. I gotta think about mine. Can't be Justin Trudeau because he's not a philosopher. Yeah, I, I mean, I can't do Plato, right? You can do Plato. <laughs> why? Why not? Yeah. I'll think about it. Okay. <laughs> All right. So. All right. Like so well, we were, we were going to do the signing off, right? Do you want to do that? Signing off from. Signing off from Ace and Arrow. Do I say yours too? Let me say the and at least. Okay. Jeez. So signing off from. Ace and Arrow. Bye. See you next see, time. See you next time.